0: Hey, thank you for joining us here at Journey Church this morning, and and along with what Pastor Olivia said, I want to thank those that have been sharing in our Advent moments Uh, this morning, Lacey McNay, uh, a good friend, and and someone who I try to keep on her good side because she was in my youth group, so I'm sure she's got some great stories that if you want to ask her, I'm sure she would love to share a few of those, but uh, Advent is a significant season in the church calendar, but in in our lives as well. And, and we all come into the Advent season probably a little bit different and different, different things going on in our lives and different ways that we're approaching it, different ways that we move towards Christmas as we wait for the arrival of, of Christ. And so this morning, as we prepare to look at this passage of Scripture, I want to just pray a, a prayer that just helps to welcome Jesus into uh, our lives for sure, but into this Advent season as well. So would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, Master of both the light and the dark, send your Holy Spirit upon our preparations through Advent and for Christmas. We have so much to do and seek spaces to hear your voice each day. We who are anxious over many things look forward to your coming among us. We who are blessed in so many ways long for the complete joy of your kingdom. We whose hearts are heavy seek the joy of your presence. We are your people, walking in darkness, yet seeking the light. To you we say, come, Lord Jesus. Amen. So it's interesting, uh, as we were planning and preparing a series in Acts, knowing that we would start the series in in the fall, we knew that the Advent season would come upon us pretty quickly. And so we had a decision to make when we were planning this whole thing out. Did we do a, a, a separate Advent series? Did we just pick an Advent series, talk about the themes of Advent or or what have you? Or do we continue in the series of Acts, and and then maybe just try to find a few Advent nuggets right in in the middle of the series? And and we decided to just stick with the series in Acts and call it Advent in Acts. And and honestly, we were just we just hoped that maybe we'd be able to pull out a little bit of of Advent in the middle of this series. But what we quickly discovered, especially in in the last few chapters of Acts, that, we've, that just we just happen to land on is that the entire story that's told by Luke in Acts, is a, it's an Advent story, and it's filled with Advent people. And, and by that, I don't mean it's a Christmas story filled with Christmas people, although, although Jesus and Mary do make a cameo at the beginning. So it is, that does have a kind of a Christmas kind of taste to it. But, but what we talked about a few weeks ago is that to be Advent people is, is more than just to be Christmas people. We talked about this, that to be Advent people, it means to be those who acknowledge and celebrate Jesus' first arrival and what he accomplished then. To be people who anticipate his coming return and all he will accomplish. And who in the meantime, participate in the spirit-ignited and fueled movement to accomplish Jesus' work in their present moment. And I can't think of a better example of, of both an Advent story and, and Advent people than, than what Pastor Mitchell walked us through at the beginning of Acts chapter 2, 1 through. 10-ish last week. And so we're going to continue in that today. And that's where Craig kind of picked up as he was reading from our scripture today. But let's just quickly review what took place last week. And in that John, Peter and John were making their way to the temple to pray as they regularly did and at the, the regular time. And, and as they were walking towards the temple, they went by a gate that was called Beautiful, apparently. And, and there was a man who had been disabled Found, they found disabled there that they looked at and saw, and he had been disabled for his whole lifetime, and he had been brought to this place often and, and would ask for money, and he looked at Peter, and he looked at John, and he asked for money, and, and they looked back at him, and, and Peter says to him, you know, money, I, I don't have. Silver and gold, I, I have not, but what I have... I give you in the name of Jesus Christ, stand up and, and walk. And Luke tells us the man stood and, and ran and jumped for joy and praised God. And, and that all the people around were, were stood in, in want, wonder and, and stood in amazement. Now, I have a question for you as, as maybe you were here last week and you heard this story or my hopefully pretty accurate retelling of the story this morning is, is how would you have responded in that, in that moment? I mean, how would you have responded in that moment compared to how you have responded last week when you just simply heard it and read it? Because last week when, when we heard this story, when it was read to us from Scripture, it's like, oh, that's a, that's a great story. It kind of sounds like what I would hear in, in the Bible. It, it makes sense from, the, you know, these are things we see happening in the Bible. Well, what if we were, what would we were there? What, what would our response have been? Peter says, or sorry, Luke says that the response of the people was they were astonished, that they were amazed, that they were... Surprised. And I think I would be too if I was in that moment, but I don't live in in that moment. I live in a context where I have very few reference points for that kind of miracle, that kind of thing happening outside of what I read in, in Scripture. But what is clear is that Peter, he wasn't surprised. Peter, in this moment, it was as if he had expected the Lord to work in and through him in this way. When he saw this man, he just looked at him and said, you know, I don't have what you want, but what I do have, I'll give it to you. And he reached out, grabbed his right hand, in the name of Jesus, stand up and let's go and have some fun. It's as if he knew and realized that the power and presence of Jesus was in him and that he had the, because of that, he would be able to do this thing. It overwhelms me. As, as a follower of Jesus to, to look at this story and, and think, how, do, how does that even happen? Well, we'll talk a little bit about that today. You see, Peter, when he saw that the crowd was was surprised, when he saw that they were astonished, he, he stood up again to address the crowd, not unlike the way he stood up to address the crowd that gathered at Pentecost when, when all of the things happened and all the, the fire and the wind and, and the languages, and, and he stood up to explain things. And and he stood up, and here's kind of what he explains to the people. And keep in mind, I'm paraphrasing here. But he says, like, why are you so surprised? This here is, is what God does. This is, this is what God is in the business of doing, of, of taking the, the broken and the painful and, and the heartbreaking and, and even the ugly things of life and, and turning them into something Beautiful. We call this redemption, when, when God does this thing, and, and it's a thing that he's been doing since the, the world kind of broke, you know, when Adam and Eve kind of, you know, chose the apple over the Lord, and, and, and he's been doing it ever since, trying to bring us back into this place of re- redemption, to bring us back into this place of, of reconciliation. And he says that it's what you've seen done today through Jesus, through God's servant, through His holy and righteous One, the Author of life, and and basically Peter says, "Do you remember Him? This is the one you you had arrested. This is the one that you had beaten. This is the one that you dis- disowned. This is the one that that you killed. But God resurrected Him from the dead." He, Peter says, "We we were all witnesses of this. We all saw it, and we and we saw Him." And he goes on and he makes this statement. He says. And by faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him, as you can all see. And what Peter was telling them here is is you're just getting a glimpse. You're just getting a sneak peek into what God is going to do one day. And what we've witnessed today, is not just simply a miracle, it's not just some phenomenon, it's not just some, some accident that, that happened, it's the fulfillment of what had been promised by God through his prophets. And my guess is that when Peter was talking about all of these things that would come that, that he had prophets like Isaiah in mind, in and, and chapters and verses like Isaiah chapter 35 where he said, then will the eyes of the blind be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then will the lame leap like a deer and the mute tongue shout for joy. Water will gush forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The burning sand will become a pool, the thirsty ground, bubbling springs. You see, and the the fulfillment of this would come through God's servant. Like these things would happen through God's servant, the Messiah who according to the prophets, the same prophets like Isaiah and many others, would, would have to suffer. And I imagine that, that when Peter was saying this, he had Isaiah 53 in mind, where, he, where Isaiah wrote, Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. And he would go on, later on, in just a few verses later in 53, he would say, yes, it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though, and though the Lord makes his life an offering for sin, for sin, he will see his offspring and prolong his days, and the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. After he has suffered, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many, and he will bear their iniquities. See, it's, it's through this suffering servant, Jesus, that God promised to bring forgiveness, that he promised to bring redemption, that he brought, promised to bring renewal, that he promised to bring um, restoration, and what he promised to bring redemption, do you see through Jesus, through this suffering servant, he promised to bring the beautiful, to take the the broken, to take the painful, to take the the heartbreaking and the and the heart and and to turn it into something beautiful, to redeem it. this is the the promise that that we read it 's the promise that we have for a, a future, right? This is, this is the promise that we hope for when, when Christ returns and then all things will be, will be made right. I, I love the way that we read this in the end of the Jesus Storybook Bible, how Sally Lloyd-Jones, how she interprets some of John's writing in Revelation. And she says, and, and the king says, look, God and his children are together again. No more running away or hiding. No more crying or being lonely or afraid. No more being sick or dying because all those things are gone. Yes, they're gone forever. Everything sad has become untrue, and see, I have, I have wiped away every tear from, from every eye. But here's the thing for Peter in this in this moment and in, in, in this place at a at a gate called beautiful. Was that when Peter looked at this crowd and? this crowd that had formed around this miracle, around this man who was leaping and, and jumping and praising God and in this moment was holding on to John and, and Peter, what he saw was a, a sea of people who were themselves in need, in need of redemption in the here and now. And, and maybe not physically, but they certainly needed a spiritual redemption. You see, these people who he described as, you remember, you were the ones who, who disowned and and killed and had Jesus beaten, like these people had missed the the ship on jesus first arrival they' had missed the boat they weren 't going to make the final destination, but what Peter realized in this moment was that there 's still time. you still have time to to reach the destination that, that Jesus would have for you, the hope that he has for you, the, re, the redemption that he has for you spiritually, for your your soul, but also maybe for your, for your body, for your mind, for your strength and, and for your those things that, that are around you as well. And so he gave them a, the way. He, he, he opened up the, the path. He showed them here's the, the good news, right? He says, repent and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. This is the same thing, the same good news that Jesus preached at the beginning of of Mark's gospel. This is the message that Jesus arrived with when he says in in Mark chapter 1, verse 15, he says, The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Now, there have been times, at least in, in my life, and maybe you. You would agree with this that there have been times when when the good news of, of Jesus has has been um, held out or felt more like a, a hope for the future, a, It's a, a future hope of maybe like here's this this prayer that you need to pray so that you one day will be able to leave this place Earth and arrive at a at a great place some future day that we call heaven. And while there is a, some truth to that, I think the the gospel is so much more than that, it's so much more robust and and full. I like how N.T. Wright talks about uh, the gospel when he says that when the good news of Jesus is announced, it is of course about God, the creator, setting everything right. But part of the point of saying that this final restoration can come forward into the present is that God longs to see it happen to individual men, women, and children right now in anticipation. Because of Jesus' death and resurrection, anyone who turns away from the life they've been leading and turns to God instead, anyone including the crowds who bade for Jesus' blood and the Jewish rulers who sent him off to Pilate to be crucified, anyone at all can know in advance the joy of being forgiven, the joy of being refreshed by the love and mercy of God, of discovering new life and purpose in following Jesus. You see, I think when Peter looked into this crowd of people, he wanted them to know that, that what you just witnessed, what you just saw in, in the redemption of, of this man's body, taking what, is, what was broken and, and heartbreaking and, and being turned into something beautiful, that's, that's actually available to you right now. Certainly physically like we just have seen, but, but spiritually, maybe even emotionally or Relationally, Like these things are, are available to you in this, in this moment, in the, in the right here and in the right now. In fact, I think Peter, continuing to have the words of the prophets on his mind, he very easily could have been thinking about what Ezekiel said in, in his words that God had given him when he was speaking to this crowd of Israelites. It's found in Ezekiel chapter 36, where he says, For I will take you out of the nations, I will gather you from all the countries, and I will bring you back into your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all of your impurities and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh, and I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws then you will live in the land I gave your ancestors. You will be my people and I will be your God. I will save you from all your uncleanness. Peter wanted them to know that, that right now and right here, there's still hope. Like You're not, you're, you're not hopeless. Just as, as this man that at the gate called beautiful was not as hopeless as he thought he was, you are not hopeless and you're not Helpless. There's there's still hope, not just for a, a future redemption, but for a, a present redemption as well. And isn't that isn't that exactly what we long for? I mean, we we hope for a a future redemption, like with the idea of Jesus coming and making all things right and making all new. All things new sounds wonderful, and we can't wait for it. But don't we long for a redemption that would happen in the here and now? A redemption that would Take the the broken and the ugly, the painful and the heartbreaking, and and turn it into something beautiful. Like we saw in this man, in in his life, stood leaping and and jumping and praising God. That's the the hope that we long for now. I I read a a devotion this week by a guy named Matt Leroy, and he he talked about this hope. And I just thought his words were so powerful, and I wanted to share them with you this morning. He says, Advent is a, a season of robust hope. It is the kind of hope that is always present, not merely an idea planted firmly in the future. Jesus takes what is future, what is far off, and drags it into the present. He buries it in us like a seed waiting for the harvest. We may not see the flourishing right now, but it is there, taking root and stretching out in the soil of our souls. Hope is present present where we need it the most in the thick of it, where the road closes in and the end seems cut off. And that's exactly where Jesus met this, this man, right? It, disabled and, and helpless and, and probably hopeless to an extent. And, and Jesus met him in, in that space. He met him through Peter, right? Through his presence in Peter, who was his witness, who was his witness. Not only with a future hope, but with a living hope and a a present hope. And that's our hope too, right? That's our hope as as Advent people. As we talk about as Advent people, we we acknowledge and we celebrate the first arrival of Jesus and all that that meant and all that had accomplished in his life, death, resurrection, and, and ascension. And as Advent people, we have this future hope for when Jesus returns one day that, again, all things will be renewed, all things will be refreshed and restored, and things will be made right as we would hope and desire for them to be. But as Advent people, we also participate in the middle. In the meantime, we hope for, and we long for, and we wait for, and we pray for and the experience of God's redemptive power in the here and the now. Like, that is what we desire. It's what we long for. In our own lives, for sure, I think we can all think of areas in our lives that, that need the redemptive power, the redemptive work of Jesus Christ in us, right? Maybe it's physical. Maybe it's emotional. Maybe it's relational. Maybe it's vocational or financial. Like, there's, there's a need for some, some redemptive power to be displayed in, in our lives. But it's not limited to us, right? Like our families need it, too. Like, we can think of children or siblings or parents, aunts and uncles or cousins, or whose lives are, are broken and heartbreaking and in need of redemptive power of Jesus. We can think of our communities, right? We can think of our neighborhoods, maybe even specific neighbors just down the street who are going through things that we couldn't even imagine going through. We can think of, our, of our, even our nation, think of a place that is in need of, of God's redemptive power taking things that are broken and heartbreaking and turning it into something beautiful. We look at our world, right? We look across the ocean, and we see wars. We see famine. We see disease. We see the things that need the redemptive power of God. They're all over the place. And it's not a a hope that we have just for a a future, even though we can't wait for it. We're like, Lord Jesus, come, like we prayed at the beginning. Come, Lord Jesus, now. and do that redemptive work in my life now. Do that redemptive work in my family now. Do that redemptive work in my community now. Do that redemptive work in my country now. Do that redemptive work in this world that we live in right now. And that's what we long for. That's what we hope for. It's what we, it's what we wait for. Not just in Advent, but every, every day until Jesus does come back. Because every day it's going to continue. Like the world's not going to just fix right now. But, but we saw it in, in this man, his 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 life was changed and, and his body was redeemed and, and so we know that it's possible and so we can continue to cry out and ask Jesus, yes, Lord, come and, and continue to do this and in the places that we have named and the places that we, that we are crying out about, we know that it's, that it's possible because like, like Peter said, like we saw it happen. We didn't, but through Peter's eyes, this is a, a man that you knew, this is a man that you've seen and, and now he's standing and jumping and leaping for joy. Maybe the thing is is that sometimes, like the crowd that was gathering around Peter we're, we're a lot more like the this guy than, than we would like to admit that we have a lot more of a need for redemption than, than we're ever willing to to say out loud. We know it in our heart, we see it in, in the, these places that we named, but it's hard to admit those things it's hard to admit them to ourselves, sometimes or to our friends or to our Whoever, but we have those needs. Maybe again, not physically, but in some of these other areas. You know, I, this week I was reminded that earlier on in Luke's story, the the first part of Luke's story, Luke's gospel, he tells this of this time when Jesus went to Nazareth, which was his hometown, and he went to the temple, which was his regular practice. and And when he arrived, they handed him the scroll of Isaiah. And so he opens up this long scroll. It's like this super long scroll, and, and he he. Kind of just scanning, and he's looking for a passage, and he finds a passage, and he and he reads it out loud. And for us, we would find it in Isaiah chapter sixty-one, verse one. But I don't think they had chapter and verse on the scroll. So, but here's what he finds, and he says, "The spirit of the Lord is on me, because He has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me, He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free." To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then he sat down and he said, today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your presence. And if you read through the rest of Luke's gospel, you know that this, this fulfillment is, is, is told. Like, right, Luke tells the story of how Jesus fulfills like, all the things that he just read out of Isaiah's scroll, right? The, the prophet Isaiah who would speak these words. The rest of it is told. And then here in Acts chapter three, at a, at a gate called "Beautiful, something beautiful happens. These words that were written by Isaiah were fulfilled by Jesus by His power and his presence in Peter. Did you catch that? Like these are the words of Isaiah predicting like the power of presence of God, like coming in and preaching and proclaiming and renewing and restoring, and it's done in, by Jesus in Peter. As Peter stood in for Jesus and spoke the name of Jesus over this man, and this is where again, honestly, I have no idea how this works. I have no idea. I, I don't know how that how that happens. I mean, I've I've prayed with plenty of people whose bodies are broken, whose marriages are broken hearts are broken. And I didn't see like someone standing up in the, in the moment and leaping for joy. and That's hard for us to reconcile. Like We read it in scripture, but we want to see it in real time. So I don't have an answer for that today. But I don't think it means we should stop hoping, praying, and longing for it. Because what I do know is that what, Jesus, what I do know is that this is exactly what Jesus meant, like what took place here with Peter and with this guy. This is exactly what Jesus meant when he said, when you, will, when you receive the Holy Spirit, sorry, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and all Samaria and to the ends of the earth. This is what Jesus meant. He meant that you would be ignited, filled, and fueled by the Holy Spirit, and you will be my witness. You will bring redemption. You will bring reconciliation through gospel demonstration and just grabbing the hand of somebody and lifting them up and through gospel proclamation by speaking the name of Jesus into people, over people, to people, I want you to listen again to, to Isaiah 61 verse 1. And as you do, I hope I'm not taking too much liberty. If, if I am, you'll have to I'll ask for forgiveness later. But I want you to listen to, to Isaiah 61 when we hear Jesus read this. When he says, the spirit of the Lord is on me. We know that that's, he's talking about himself. But you, as I read that again this week, I think that those are words for us that the spirit of the Lord is is on me. That the spirit of the Lord is, is on you. Because the Lord has anointed me and the Lord has anointed you to proclaim good news to the poor. Because he has sent me and he has sent you to bind up the brokenhearted. Because he has sent me and he has sent you to proclaim freedom for the captives and, and release from darkness for the prisoners. Not as a savior. Like there's only one savior. Only Jesus accomplished that through his his suffering, His death, and, and His resurrection, and His ascension. But we are asked to be His, his witnesses. We are invited to be His witness, to bring and to carry redemption and reconciliation through gospel demonstration and through gospel proclamation. Like we have, these words are for us as well. Let me invite the, the worship team to come up. They're going to close us in a song this morning that's called, I, I Speak Jesus. And it's a song that's not about Jesus, but rather it's it's a song about speaking Jesus into the world around us. Because here's the thing that I think we need to keep in mind, is that if we are in need of redemption, us and our family and and our neighbors and our community and the world around us, Jesus invites us to, to speak into that with words. He invites us to speak into that with with prayer. He invites us to speak into that with with action, with both demonstration and proclamation. He invites us to, to speak Jesus, just like Peter did, when Peter said, by faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him. And so this morning, as we sing this song, maybe it's new to you, and maybe you just need to listen to it and you can go back and find it on your favorite platform and listen to it again. But maybe it's a song that you need these words spoken over you. Maybe these are words you need to proclaim over your family, your own life, your neighbors, your community, your nation. Maybe these are words that you just want to just let the Lord wash you in as well. Let me invite you to to stand with me. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to close with this song together. Jesus, you are the Redeemer. You are the one who, the one and only who can take what is broken, what is painful, what is heartbreaking, and, and turn it into something beautiful. And Lord, as we, even as we come into a season of Advent where we're excited for and anticipating and looking forward to Christmas, we realize that, that all that anticipation and hope, it doesn't change our current circumstances. It doesn't change what's going on in our lives, in our bodies, in our families, in our communities and in our world. And so we would pray this morning, come Lord Jesus. As we sing this song this morning, as we sing a song that just says, speak the name of Jesus, teach us to do that. Give us the faith to do it just as Peter did, to speak it into people, to speak it over people, to reach out a hand of of healing or a hand of help, or just a, a hand to help someone get up. Lord, we just pray that you would utilize this in some way in the days and in the weeks and in the months ahead, not just at, at Christmas time, but, but at all times until you return again and when you will restore and renew and redeem all things. Jesus, may all these be things be for your glory and for our good today and in the days ahead. Amen.